It's that kind of party, boys. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 183 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Jorgen Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and I hate to break it to you, but nobody is biting their tongue on this episode as we are truly joined by Mr. Reckless with a capital R. Fuck's sake. No, we were, we, were jo- we were joined by Josh Franchetti of You, Me at Six. What are you talking about? Yes, this week's guest is the fantastic Josh Franceschi, back once again, like the Renegade Master. And this was a very, very fun chat about the anniversary of the You, Me at Six record, Sinners Never Sleep. Yes, on October 3rd, 2011, not only did he ask me what day it was, little Mean Girls reference there, yes! But Yumi at Six released their third and career-defining record, Sinners Never Sleep. The album broke many mainstream barriers for the band, signing to a major label, selling out venues like Wembley Arena, and sonically connecting with an army of fans on a completely new level emotionally. In my teens, I knew so many people who were obsessed with this record, so with Yumi at Six gearing up for the LP's 10th anniversary with two huge shows in Leeds and Hatfield next week and releasing a 10th year anniversary edition on June 3rd, we have the lyrical master Josh Ronteski return for a special and exclusive in-depth look behind Sinners Never Sleep, That Cycle and Time. And Sean, obviously, you're good friends with the band, you've toured with them, Many times they've been on the podcast with us. You featured on each other's songs, but you must have insane memories of that time seeing the band go into that next level. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the thing is, I probably may, I bound to have mentioned it on the other episodes, but the first time we ever met, you made six, the Blackout were playing at Abasoch at some festival there, and we met you made six, and we, I think we had a kick about the football and I remember Max being blown away that they were playing with the blackout. And then when this record came out, they fucking went stratos- stratospheric and then just left the blackout behind. And it was fucking class <laughs> for them. Um, <laughs> to say I wasn't green with jealous rage would be a lie. But yeah, they absolutely fucking smashed it. This album literally took them 
to the next level. Because the one, the one before, I think, is the one I featured on on the song "The Consequence," and then I thought, "Oh, this is this is a fucking really good album," and that did well for him. But then this next one, then they upped the guests, didn't they? They took Sean, <laughs> threw him off, got 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 Ollie and Winston from uh, Ollie Sykes from the Bring Me the Horizon, Winston from Parkway Drive, and yeah, just completely up their games and it was fantastic so yes it what an album what an album do you have any fond memories of that album yeah as i said in my early teens remember so many people just obsessing over yumi at six and i think this was a record that brought them out of that kind of alternative emo scene to being on radio one a lot and being in that mainstream pop light and just people really embracing them and the sixes army in this this record as being a staple for what they've done ever since. And in this episode, I've got to tell you, Josh does not sugarcoat anything. There's no holding back. No. Everything is completely honest and topless, which you'll find out about in a little bit. But we literally talk about the success of this record, going over to America, struggles in the studio, him suffering a panic attack, the features of Bring Me the Horizon and Parkway Drive, pissing off. Simon Cowell when they sold out Wembley. Yes. And we even talk about some new things about the, a record they're currently making, some features, and the fact that they've got a very busy summer where they'll be performing at 2000 Trees Festival, Sean. Yes. Cannot wait for that. Cannot wait for that. But yes, as Morgan said, this was a mad, mad in-depth chat and he opened up on everything Morgan alluded to there. This was our first ever topless guest and topless presenter podcast so um josh came on and he was topless and um i didn't want him to feel alone in that cannot wait for 2000 trees i think they're gonna fucking absolutely smash it it's just gonna be a wonderful weekend i believe yes it is 2000 trees returns for the first time in quite a few years takes place july 7th to 9th 2022 in Cheltenham, UK, just a couple hours away from London. Yumi at Six will be performing on the Saturday on the main stage before Idols headline. And there is a host of acts that we're very excited about. Jimmy Eat World, Young Guns, Thrice, Thomas Jenkins, Raiders, your band, Sean, Twin Atlantic, Boston Manor, Nova Twins, Lauren Hibbert, the list goes on and on. And they have recently just added a bunch of new upcoming acts for people to go and check out at the festival, including St. Agnes, our good friends. And you can go and check out the full lineup at 2000treesfestival.co.uk. And then if you head to 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets and use the promo code SAPNIN, you get 10% off all your tickets. All right, yeah, but if you were doing what Morgan said first, which was visiting 2000treesfestival.co.uk, just click the bit where it says tickets. You don't have to type it all out again. Use the promo code SAPNIN for 10% off any of the tickets. You don't have to back out and go through all that bloody writing stuff out. Just click tickets will be at the top. Oh, look, tickets, tickets, sold, bought, lovely, SAPNIN. Oh, 10% off, cracking, lovely boys. I, again, can't wait for 2000 Trees. It's going to be a fucking hell of a weekend. There's some great bands. Come along and sing along with Yumi at Six. And then um, wait till after Yumi at Six where you can talk along with idols. 
<laughs> it's just going to be a great time. We love that festival. And it's going to be a very busy summer for us in general. The best place to keep up with everything we're doing is at Sapling Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapling, where you can support us and get a load of exclusives back and be involved in our wonderful community. Yes, patreon.com forward slash Sapling. But what have we done this week, Morg? So, last week... Look, I, we haven't even mentioned what I did last weekend. <laughs> last weekend, me and you both saw My Chemical Romance. We I was did. lucky enough to DJ at two of the events in Milton Keynes yes. on the main stage. And when I say on the main stage, I was expecting to be hidden behind all of the band's gear and stuff, so you wouldn't even see me. No, front, out the front, to the left-hand side, if you look out to the stage, to the right to the audience. I was just there playing other people's songs. So what I did while I was there... Recorded some videos of some behind-the-scenes stuff. And this week, we have gone and made one of those TikToks that the kids use. I absolutely hated the idea of it, and I didn't want to do it. But we posted we posted one video, and it's done surprisingly well for us. So we're going to have to fucking keep going without TikTok. So check out TikTok.com forward slash Sapninpod, S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. So from now on, I'm going to have to remember to say, give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Sappeninpod at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. I can't believe we made a TikTok. I hate myself. Yeah, and that means over the summer, we're going to have to record those of TikToks. We're going to have to learn dances. We're going to have to do you trends. Done, no, right. We're going to have to tell people what we're wearing. Come and get ready oh, to with me. Ah, you know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. But also, send us ideas in that we could do for our TikTok, because, yeah, I'm not fucking dancing. Like, Morgan could dance, and I'll do voiceovers. That sounds quite good to me. Sounds like a good idea. Um, it is going to offend Morgan's dancing. Um, but, oh. yeah, get in touch. Let us know. Well, yeah, I can only imagine. I'm, I've never seen you dance, Morg. You've so I can only seen ima- me dance. When have I seen you dance? In your dreams. <laughs> I wasn't dancing. I was just like, anyway, carry on, carry on. Anyway, let's get straight into this conversation. (laughs) This is the wonderful Josh Franceschi talking about Sinners Never Sleep and more on episode 183 of Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! I fucking love a Tops Off party. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sapnin! 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 Yes! <laughs> this week's guest is Yumi at Six Frontman and all round lovely, lovely human and legend. And me and him are both currently <laughs> topless um, for absolutely no reason than um, me trying to make him feel comfortable on this podcast. This week's guest is the wonderful Josh Franceschi! How are you, brother? Anyway. Good, mate. I'm, good. I'm really hot, but also this is just, this is my safe place. Being topless is my safe place. So thank you for joining me <laughs> and accepting me for who I am. Yeah, I didn't, want to, I didn't want you to feel left out. We're all about inclusivity here at the Sapney Podcast, apart from Morgan. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not topless. Just so everyone knows, I'm the only one that that with the three of us right now who has, who has, I have a jumper on. So that says a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, I yeah. can't believe it. It's yeah, a weird start. Yeah. We, we it's the we- <laughs> <laughs> definitely the weirdest start we've had on the podcast so far. Um, no, but but how are you, man? How are things at the moment? It just seems like it's a really busy time in the UMI at Six camp with like so much going on. You're making new music, there's anniversaries. I'm sure it's a, it's a lot to catch up with. Yeah, mate, it's been crazy, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, we literally just got back from Santorini uh, about two weeks ago. So we've done the majority of some new stuff. Uh, we've got a little bit more to do, I think. Um, but yeah, been been amazing. And obviously now I think next week we go into like pre-pro and rehearsals for the shows, which will be wicked. It's going to be really exciting. And yeah, it's just been, it's just been one of those where like nothing happened for ages. Mm. And then our management and our label, like you should probably start thinking about making a record. And then we decided to just, <laughs> just rush, rush that writing process. No, yeah, and we've just been, these shows have come around really quickly as well. Like, I feel like we put them on sale, what, in like September, October, something like that. And it just feels like a lifetime ago. And now they're literally like in massive weeks. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to a big celebration with, uh, with all the people. It's going to be wicked. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. There's a, there's a lot of excitement surrounding it. But of course, you've, oh, been, yeah. on, you've been on the podcast a few times. Uh, but this episode, we're going to really dive into Sinners Never Sleep. Obviously, We've been celebrating the 10th and 11th year anniversary with these massive shows in Hatfield and Leeds, releasing uh, anniversary edition of the record. But before everything, I really, I'd love to just start by some of your really fondest memories of that time, this record, really the writing process, release, reaction. What what comes to mind when you look back at Sinners Never Sleep? Uh, well, I think the, the first thing that comes back we obviously made the record in, in Los Angeles and that was the first time that we recorded outside of, of England. And actually it's the first time we recorded not with John Mitchell and Matt O'Grady. It, it does come full circle on this record. I'll, I'll get to that if you want me to later, but it started <laughs> off with, um, 
us going out to, to America and recording with Garth Richardson and all of his team out there. And I think just like, just the feeling of like everything about that record was illegal, like in terms of like being 20 in America and going out and partying when we really shouldn't have been and living in Hollywood. And like, I don't know if, if for those people that have listened at home that haven't been to Hollywood and like West Hollywood in particular, like it, it's madness. So like if you're in your twenties and you're making a record and next door to you is Noel Gallagher and the chili peppers are coming in for a few days and all this sort of stuff <laughs> is happening. And you're, and you've gone from making a record respectfully in, in, uh, in a shed in Reading and a basement in Woking to now suddenly that it's a bit of a shock. Um, I definitely remember feeling like it was a bit like, Ooh, this is, this is taking a step up that was unexpected, but really exciting. Um, and yeah, loads of, loads of great anecdotes I could share with you from that time. Just depends what you want, really. Yeah. Well, all of them. Well, we'll get, we'll get into all of them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure. But like, yeah, as you mentioned, like being in that position so young, I mean, the band started when you were all like kids, really. And when you think you were 20, in Los Angeles, making your third record, I'm sure like it's a lot of things just seemed to come out of, of nowhere at that time. You're so busy, and I'm sure it was like kind of a, a lot to take in really young. I think so. I mean, we'd actually probably just come off, um, Sean, we probably just come off that tour we did together and um, when we did the Hammersmith Apollo tour, and it was like, yes, um, us, you, was it Set Your Goals? Yeah, Set Your Goals, yes. Canterbury. Yeah. So, and I think that was in December, wasn't it? And then we went out and recorded in like March, April. So I think we just, we come fresh off like probably one of our favorite tours, even to this day that we've ever done, like all those bands became really, really good of, friends of ours. Yeah, yeah. I'm the yes, black. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, you, no, you had guy. fun. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed those bands. And the, and the blackout with it. And the blackout. And the blackout. <laughs> no, you, you, you know how I feel about you boys. Um, <laughs> and so we, we kind of like, we kind of like rolled into this whole thing on like such a high. And I think, you know, when you look in retrospectively, when you're that age, like you're fearless about anything and everything. So looking back at it now, I'm just kind of, I mean, we, I was talking to Max Betts the other day um, and he was just like, oh God, I was shitting myself going out and making that record with with Garth Richardson and doing it in Los Angeles sort of shit. I was like, mate, I couldn't have cared less. I was just like, as far as I'm concerned, we were on like we were in our own little world and we were sort of like rolling into it. Um but looking back on it, it is it is pretty mad. But the band were on like a really like a really good run at that at that time. Um where it just felt like everything we were doing just seemed to be going in our favour. And I think when it then came to making the actual record like we spoke a lot about how we just, I think we just done walk tour, I think the year, the summer before. And we'd noticed that a lot of the bands that kind of our peers were, they were all going one way and we thought, well, why don't we go slightly heavier, slightly darker. And on that tour, we made friends like bands like Parkway Drive, and the Ghost Inside, did that tour, bring me, bring me on that tour as well that summer. And so I think we were kind of thinking, how can we get like, the most amount of angst out of us on this record and bring in like the most unexpected people to be on the record. And I think that's where obviously those collaborations came into play. But yeah, man, I think we were just sort of, that's what I mean. Like, I think even like doing a song of Parkway Drive on that record just kind of shows you how we don't give a fuck mindset was really in full force. Um, and you know, it, and it was, it was wicked. It was a really special time because, you know, as the records have gone on, you start to get more and more like anal and, 
pranging out about what everyone's going to think of it. But when you're in your twenties, you just don't really give a shit. You're sort of like, oh, I make music, and if people like it, wicked. And if they don't, then I don't even know. I'll ever hear from them anyway. So yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good energy goes to that record for sure. Yeah, well, how how was it recording with um, Garth? Because he's done some absolutely insane bands and some massive records. And but I also know that for some people, uh, you know, they have ups and downs with him as well. So was that was <laughs> was that your case? Uh, truthfully and respectfully, yes, it was very up and down. I think that was also on our on our on our behalf, like a lack of experience. Um, and I think that's where our age really like showed where that like now as like a 30 year old bloke, like if I had somebody talking to me, for example, the way that Garth would talk to me, I would understand it better. I would, I would be less, my knee jerk reaction would be resistance. It would be like, okay. But I, yeah, look, I think Garth's a great bloke. And I think that we obviously made a great record together, but there was a reason that we flew Matt O'Grady out to do vocals of me. And there's a reason that we ended up doing a lot of work on the record and we got back to England in, in, in Matt's basement, you know? So, but what I would say is that, you know, you don't work with the people that he's worked with and produce the records that he's done without a being a very, very good producer and or B, you know, having a good team around you. So there's absolutely no um, misgivings about that, but I, I don't have, too many fond memories of actually being in the studio. I, d- I didn't really uh, think that the dynamic of, you know, spending eight hours to do a guitar take was necessary. And then only finding that there's mobile phone noises on the tracking when you, you, you come away from it to go mix it, stuff like that, like a bit irking, but it was, but I think, but then also there was some stuff. I mean, he brought in this incredible orchestra to be on uh, a little bit of truth and crash, which we wouldn't have never thought about scored it brilliantly. But, and I also think that like he, he cultivates a kind of understanding around like ambition, which I really thought was cool in terms of like, you know, he, from the jump when he came, he said, I'm going to make your biggest record that you ever make. And, you know, I don't, I mean, time, time has kind of proven that Sinners has definitely been a very popular record for us. Um, and definitely shapes, you know, a lot of the success we've had moving forward. So I guess he kind of backed himself and he was right about that. And, you know, you look at the Biffy Clyro records he's made, arguably some of their best work. Uh, but yeah, it de- definitely was up and down. But I think, to be fair, I think making a record is ups and downs, right? Like whether it be the environment of the studio, whether it be sort of like the internal issues that go on with bands, like as a band, or then if there's like a, an issue with, band and producer or location or fucking labels or whatever. So there was a lot of that going on and there was a lot of confrontation, which we'd never been used to because we are so used to going in with Matt O'Grady and John Mitchell and the whole day be being about making office jokes and stuff like that. Like to suddenly then it being like this peacocking thing, which was alien to us. Um, and we hadn't mastered and I don't think we've ever mastered it because I don't think we're interested in it, but, as I said, you know, we, we created a great record with him and there's, I've, I've never really said anything bad about him. And I don't think I'm saying anything bad about him now. I just think we're just kind of different people, but he, he brought something great out of us. But I understand why, you know, I've spoken to Simon about it from Biffy before and they, it can be an up and down experience. But that, as I said, I think that's indicative and, and kind of 
in in line with making music generally. But yeah, I think we, we, we'd make a we'd make a very different record now with him. I think it would be a very different experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. But but the the songs and the work you guys did together speaks for itself, man. Um, I know this might be a little bit of a, of a, a sensitive subject as well, but during that recording process, I, I do believe there was a, a stage where you suffered a little panic attack and you had to go into hospital for for quite a bit um when kind of doing the vocals and stuff do you mind opening up a, a, a little bit mate why do you think i took my top off mate um I'm, to, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm laying there i knew what would happen on the satin podcast um no on, honestly truthfully lads like it was it, it was you know all the things i've kind of already mentioned about like interference and pressure from you know we had it was a major label record deal so it's a major label album we've got the influence of that you've got the influence of uh, a very kind of a producer is a bit of an enigma and a maverick in that sense and then you've also got everybody under the age of 21 trying to figure out how to balance that all and i think my my panic attack really came from uh, I was getting phone calls at the time from the MDR record label being like, the record's not on track. We don't like what we're hearing. I'm sending the band home and it's just going to be you and Garth and you're going to make the record. And I was kind of like, and I was trying to keep him on board because I didn't want him to pull the plug of the record completely. But then also I was like, there's no way of this being a, a productive conversation <laughs> with the other lads and also the, the thought the school of thought from his side that what this was a one-man band and this was something that could be done without them like you meet six is you meet six because of five people and it has been for the last 17 years just so happens that our, my job is to sing in it do you know what i mean so it's sort of like i found that and i did i, I found that really difficult to process so i think one night uh, alongside just all these different things. I think I've got inside my head when I, I went to sleep and I had this panic attack. I didn't know it was a panic attack. So I thought I was dying and I like rolled out of bed, army crawled across the floor to Max's room. And I was like shouting or, or what, what I thought I was shouting. I was like, going, Max, because obviously I was like, you know, on my ass, whatever. Um, and he was watching, you know, I think his door was open, but he was watching, um, Game of Thrones on his laptop with his headphones in. So I had, so it must've freaked him out because I literally crawled up onto his bed and would start like tapping his arm and he would just look to me and, you know, been like, what the fuck's going on? So then he picked me up. We went to, um, we went to hospital and he was like, what the fuck is going on? I was like, mate, I have no idea. And what was interesting is it was the Royal wedding at the, at, between like, um, whoever, Prince William as well. I can't remember. Yeah, that's really Kate, bad. Kate, you know, yeah. Okay. That's it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can tell that I'm, I'm, I'm really into my Royals. You'd be, only, yeah, you'd be the only one on this podcast. Then <laughs> yeah, you'd be the you only would, one on this podcast. Yeah. Would be to Fuck, the uh, we, don't, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until, until they come on. Until, yeah. Until yeah, they come until on. They come I on. am yeah, fucking yeah. super yeah. nice to them. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That God save the Queen's a banger, man. But like we were watching, we were watching that in like this American hospital, and I was just like, that sobered me up. I was like this is mental. And then I was, and then there was this guy who came in ne- in the room, like in the curtain next to me, and um, he was having a 
fucking wild trip. And it was just like, I'd turn around to Max and like, you wait, like in, in, in hospitals in America, they're mental. Like you can wait in there for like hours and hours and hours. Like, you know, seriously, like Iron just is mental. So special. But like sitting in there, I was like, mate, I've been in there for four hours. I don't know whatever happened, but I'm off. And I like just discharged myself and went back. And then I literally went that next day and I called uh, our manager and I just said to him, I don't want to hear from RMD again. Um, I'm blocking his number. Do not have anybody from the label contact me and everybody is staying out and we're making the record. And it was almost like that. I think that sort of thing happened. And then almost because of it, then it was like, right, we're fucking in this together and it doesn't matter. Nothing is going to break us in terms of, you know, any outside influence. And I think that week, Ollie and the Bring Me Lot were on tour with a day to member in, in America and they came through Los Angeles. And that's when I was like, mate, we've got this song, Bite My Tongue. It's about everything and everybody that fucking winds me up. We need someone to get on this and let them know how it is. So it's almost like had all that stuff hap- not happened, maybe I would never have reached out to Ollie and been like, we've got wow. a song. Do you want to be on it? So it's like, I don't know. The, the, the universe is a strange, strange place. Yeah. And I feel like it's uh yeah, I think that's kind of a result. Like it fueled all this anger and frustration, which then went into this song. So, and then that song has obviously become like quite a big song for this band. And you know, it's weird how that sometimes I think bravery in, in that sort of sense gets rewarded more often than not. And, um, yeah, that was a, an interesting week, but yeah, yeah. Alex actually yeah. Comple- completely, completely freak <laughs> out. Something that's mental. I, have, and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had one since I've not had one since in my whole life. So oh, good. It's bizarre. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's strange how, uh, how all things like that work out, but you, you mentioned the, the label trying to get involved there and saying that they're not happy with it. Was there, Anything you remember that they were trying to like push on you or did, were they trying to take you in a certain direction or anything? Like, I think they were just spending a lot of money <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we were, we were at Sunset Sound Studios, which I don't want to know what that costs a day. And we were living in the Oakwood apartments opposite the W in West Hollywood. So, I mean, and we had three of them. So, I mean, they were probably spending, they probably spent half a million quid on that record. And I think, they weren't hearing anything and what they were hearing sounded like demos. And I think they got a little bit nervous and thought, and I, but ultimately what I think happened was because Garth and I had a falling out and Garth had a falling out with some of the other guys in the band. I think he thought, right, the way for me to control this situation is apply pressure on, I, I, I'm, I'm speculating as well. I don't know some yeah. facts, but um, you know, I think that, that maybe that's where that stemmed from. I don't, I, I also think that like, mate, times have changed massively. And I think that no one's spending that unless you're Billie Eilish and even her, I think her and her brother just do it in their own studio. But like, you know, a lot of back, what is this? This is 2011. I mean, people just aren't spending that kind of money on guitar bands to make records now. And I think even then, I think that was at the very, very end of that. And I think there was a lot of pressure on him as well. And a lot of pressure on Garth, and a lot of pressure on everybody. And I think, you know, n- n- knowing how to communicate now, I would have, at that time, if I could, if I could go back, I would have got everybody on a phone call and be like, guys, it's all good. No one's stressed. It's, it's when, uh, it's when people get inside their own head and think about, you know, the implications of something going badly is for them and, and what their, what their stake in it is. I do get it. It's a high pressure job. And I think, you know, 
Sean will, uh, will attest this as well. Like, you know, to be in the music industry and to be in like the frying pan, if you like, it's a, it's a fucking stressful place at times. And I think that, you know, people do things that they wouldn't usually do or say things they wouldn't usually say. So it's just one of them ones, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I remember when, um, yeah, when we, we crowdfunded our album Hope and we sent it to, um, a major record label and they said, yeah, this is good. Could you do us two more absolute banging singles though? <laughs> and we were like, um, no, that's the 12 songs. Um, it's taken us a fucking while. If we could, if we could just knock up better singles, they'd be on the album, wouldn't they? So, but yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's mad that like labels, like I understand, like like you said, their money is in it, so I get that. But yeah, sometimes the pressure on bands is mental, especially when at the time we were all young bands, I guess as well. So mm. it's just a, to have grown men going, nah, I don't think this is good enough, or I want you to do this, and it's like, well, ah, what, ah, well, I don't know where I'm coming or fucking going. I just wanted to be in a fucking rock band and scare people, and now I'm, <laughs> and now I'm scared myself. <laughs> Yeah, now it's it's that that's the other thing is that when it, it it I think that was our first collective experience of it not being like this is a laugh. Do you know what I mean? And I think that was a bit of a shock to the system. And yeah, I think we've actually spent you know years and years after that trying to really reinforce that it has to be fun, and we very rarely get caught up in the the pressure cooker of it all now because it's just it's for in terms of mental health, in terms of like also. In terms of also like protecting one another from like getting in, inspiring something spiraling out of control and something's feeling on you me at six, if you like. I think that was that's always been our main focus actually probably since that experience, and we've never had a record like that since in terms of it being a negative process. It's always been a fucking jolly as far as I'm as far as we're concerned since then. So it's cool. It, it definitely brought out with the side of our band though. So it's like. No complaints, really, but it's just a, a, a new experience. So, yeah, a bit of a blessing, really, because it's probably made you closer and tighter than ever. And all the record, all the records you've done since have been been fun to do. I get, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, school of hard shit at the time. Yeah, just shit at the time, <laughs> I guess. But you mentioned earlier trying to stay away from the path a lot of bands that time were going down, and I think one thing that people have always loved about Umia Six is that kind of variation in styles and sounds and really sinners is a perfect album for someone who's like looking for a, a buffet of alternative music for example because you've got everything from kind of pop punk to metal there's really groovy songs slow ballads you've even got a six minutes worth of emotion and when we were younger and i just mean when when you look back at this record and the track listing and i'm sure now going into re- rehearsals uh for these anniversary shows do you just feel like this is truly what you meet six is all about like all these different collections of songs that you can be a different style of band if you like like there's there's no real genre there's no real lock in what you are actually supposed to sound like i think so man i think um i think that's kind of always been the dna of our band i think sinners was kind of like we didn't really know how to first of all look we had no idea what we were doing on tape colors and we had no idea what we were doing on on Hold Me Down. And I guess Sinners was the first time that we were like, okay, we like all these other kind of sub-genres, if you like, of just straight up rock music. How do we portray that across our, our whole record and bring it in? But a lot of like, the other thing I'd say is that a lot of these songs just kind of like fell into place. Like I never, I never sat there and thought, right, 
after bite my tongue on the record there should be crash or i don't even know i don't even know what the record is but I, you know there's there's i know it's uh time is money next to a little bit of truth where it's just like one song is like a really slow ballad with strings and fucking orchestral stuff and the next song you know is like riff central and as you say you know you could put it in a on a metal playlist so it's kind of it's interesting in that sense but i think yeah, I think uh, it was definitely, we were just looking around and we were kind of like, well, we don't want to just do this pop punk thing the whole time. I mean, we like it, but there's like other stuff we can do. And I think Warped Tour was great for that because like you say, like, you, you, like uh, that Sinners record, I think is quite versatile in terms of, you know, like it is like a buffet for alternative music. And I think that's what Warped Tour is. It's just a buffet for alternative music. And so, you know, spending the summer before making that record around that, um, and you know, I think it was like three months or whatever, how long that tour was, and just seeing that we, all these great bands doing sort of what we did, but always slightly different. I think just kind of encouraged us to be like, well, you know, we haven't got to do too much here. A lot of it just happened quite organically. I mean, the, the song of Winston was one of the, the strangest comings together of all time. In fact, that song wasn't going to be on the record and. I was like going back and forth with him on text about like how, cause basically we, we were just about to announce uh, the mix and mash tour in Australia, which was like us Parkway drive. I want to say the wonder years and somebody and like, and then like and some other maybe professions, like another really heavy band. And I was like, mate, we should definitely do a song together before that tour because I think your fans are going to boo us every single night. <laughs> uh, and he was like, they fucking won't. They'll be willing to. I was like, nah, they'll definitely, that, that will be the tour that I think will end us. <laughs> He's like, fuck it. Let's, let me, let me jump on a song then we'll, we'll do something really cool. So we were chatting for a few weeks and then it came to, they were on tour in England and they went to um, Outhouse in Reading. They're playing Cardiff actually and they drove over to Reading to record with John, John Mitchell. And I set my alarm. At, at this point, all I'd sent was an email to John and Winston saying, uh, basically, you meet six meets Boneyards by Parkway Drive. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we want. Uh, that's all I said is like any sort of reference. Went to bed and I set my alarm to wake up in time to do, to do the, to like FaceTime them or whatever. I woke up about midday, one o'clock our time and i was just like oh no i've fucked up here like he's he's definitely not at the studio anymore and um and i woke up to like i don't know 100 missed calls or something mental um and then i called john mitchell and i was like what's happened he's like oh i've sent you the song it's in your inbox and i was like right okay and then when i when i first heard it i was like this is everything that i thought it was going to be and luckily winston knew exactly what to do but he there was no like even like the whole layout the whole scan of that mid late like there's no referencing i didn't sing any references all he had was some words and he just fucking went for it so <laughs> nice. that was wicked and he smashed it but um fair play yeah i think i think overall that that record and also what that record did for us actually is that it kind of actually opened us up to the heavier rock communities in which where before we were probably a bit like oh they're like that little cute band that play for girls Whereas now, after that, on that Sinners record, if you came to a show, like they were mosh pits, proper mosh pits, proper circle pits. Like we were having kids coming to our shows wearing like your demise tank tops, you know, like whereas before we were kind of like the joke to them or we were the guilty pleasure. So I think it's kind of, 
show people that we can we can play our instruments, we can play it loud, and we can play it fast. And it, was, it definitely helped in that sense that we were just kind of true to ourselves, and it kind of paid off, I guess. Oh yeah. yeah, I've always I've always found it mad when like bands fans are like, I like this band and I hate this band, and then you find out the the both bands frontmen love each other's bands, and then people go. Oh, actually, do you know what? Now that he likes them, <laughs> I think they're all right. It's just fucking bonkers yeah. to me. It's just mad. I think, I think it's, I think the rock community is, I think it's changed maybe a little bit over the last, the last sort of like 10 years or so, but like it is really fucking tribal. Like it's like, this is my, this is the music that speaks to me. And if it's not, for example, a breakdown, we're fucking, you know, growling down it. I don't want it, you know? And then there's like, you know, it's almost like how in, diff- in metal you have like the purists that will not touch anything that hasn't come out since 1980. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's just the way it is. But I think it's definitely, you know, I've definitely seen over the last few years, like going to shows, just seeing like before, where it's like you'd wear a band t-shirt and more than not, say you're at an architect show, the only kind of shirts you're going to wear are going to be a Parkway Drive shirt or you know, fucking a metal band basically. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and it was very much like if you went to like a scene pop punk emo back show, it was, that was the whole thing. Whereas now it's like, I went to a, um, a show like a few weeks ago and there was some kids wearing like Billy Eilish merch and 21 pilots merch. I was like, how can you possibly like those two things? Like, Oh yeah, I forget it's 2022. Like, <laughs> shit's changed now. <laughs> which is good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit different than back in the day. But um, off that record as well, the singles is really well. There's uh, the, the four that are really staple mates in in your sets ever since of Loverboy, Bite My Tongue, No One Does It Better, and Reckless. But like in that whole process, was there any other tracks that maybe you either wish were singles, or you and the band are kind of fighting for anything like on this on this list in particular? You think would have would have done well as a standout song or a single on its own? So we were, I think we put out, we put out the first three, Love Boy, Bite My Tongue, No One's It Better. And during the No One's It Better sort of part of the album campaign, our MD, who I spoke about before, left. And the new guy that came in called us into the office one day and basically went, so I've got a choice to make between having some guitar band that, is only selling a hundred thousand records or I've got Emily Sanday and she's got the number one single right now. And I think she's going to sell a million records. And we were like, I don't understand what this has got to do with us. Anyway, he was basically saying, I'm not going to spend any more money on you. And I'm, but I'm going to keep you at the record label. Um, until your deal, you, we've got one more album with us until your deal expires. And hopefully, you know, I don't have to spend any more money. He basically, he's basically saying, I'm not spending any more money on you, period. Um, wow. And he'd only, been in, he'd only been in the building for like literally a month. And so we then started this whole process of like trying to leave. But then also I was like, Reckless for us was like, was meant to be the song that halfway through the album campaign just like launched it another level up. And mm. because um, we really thought it, it could do that. And he was like, I'm not taking it to Ray J. I'm not spending money on it. So I, and it's, to this day, this is the thing that haunts me the most. There was a lady at our record label. I can't remember what her name is, but I, I, I was on the phone to her after a meeting one day 
And she said, look, I'm not going to say his name, but the guy, the, the MD, he, he, I know what he's doing. He's basically, he's told us on no uncertain terms to block any sort of release for you. But if you can fund it yourself, that your radio plugger, your TV plugger, your press person, if you self fund it, I can, in the, she did something with the database. So she basically like released it, if that makes sense, so that we could like service it. And so we did that and reckless was like, was on radio one a list for like three months was one of our biggest songs. And because, and it completely launched us. And obviously this guy at this point was human, but then we went to, um, the EMI Christmas party that year. And a few weeks before that, we just headlined Wembley arena. I'm standing at the bar with this guy. Like he basically ignored our manager, ignored us for like months and months and months. And I cornered him at this bar and I was just like, you don't want us. We don't want to be here anymore. Just let us out of the contract. And he was like, if I let you out of the contract after, you know, now a successful campaign, I'm going to look like a dickhead. And I was like, yeah, but you've already told us that you don't care about the band. Just let us go. And I think he basically he let us go because there are people in the building who were massive Yumi at six fans, but more of us as more of us as people than the band really. And they kind of all like got together and it was kind of like this weird, like a mutiny inside the building where they were like, let this band go. Let's not ruin another guitar band's career for no fucking reason. Because it, it, it was weird. It was a very weird time. But yeah. like, so, so, the, so to answer your question, we were, we were, we were planning to release more singles, but at that time it was like cut and run, hmm. come back again with a new label and, and go from there. I think Crash was going to be probably a single. I think that we felt that would be like the really, really slow ballady one, like the sort of wedding dancing song. Um, and I kind of have a feeling that this is the first thing I think was going to be maybe a single, but it's kind of all ir- irrelevant, but that was the skip. That was the time where we all vowed as a, as a band, we would never sign to a major label again, not because it doesn't work, but because it has this scope where only takes one person has any sort of leverage, any sort of real kind of leverage that can completely dictate your whole career. And from then on, we were like, we're only going to sign service services deals because, you know, we kind of retain a little bit of independence, but with some good funding. And that's kind of what we've done since with BMG and some other stuff. But yeah, a, a weird time. And I'm kind of like the whole, the whole thing from start to finish was a bit of a madness to be honest. So, so did they, did they lay you out by contract early? So you didn't have to give them that album or, or, yeah, that they, they basically they 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 said we'll let you out if public facing we can say we've dropped you, even though we'd like mutually agreed that it was the right thing. Like as long as I can say that I've dropped you, then we're all good. And I was just like, what? I mean, that, we, we, were like, we were like, we, but we were just like, isn't it the same thing? Like, why can't <laughs> what? What's the problem? But I was like, don't worry, our fans don't read Music Week, so they won't really give a shit. So yeah, yeah. we'll just. <laughs> and they also don't, they, and, and they also don't care what record label our music comes out on. They care about us being able to put out music. So whatever, whatever makes you feel good. So I think again, it goes back to that thing there, boys. We're like, it's, we, we will, being on this side of it, we will actually never understand truly the politics and the pressure that comes with this sort of stuff. And I get it. Like these are people trying to protect their livelihood and their jobs. And like, you know, at the end of the day, they're looking at it on paper. Emily Sanday, since that moment of time, I, I don't know how well her career's gone because I haven't heard anything from her. 
But, you know, maybe at that moment in time, they really, really believed that was the, that was the next Adele. That was the right call to make. And that's totally cool, you know, like fair play. But it's, I think it's, there's too much pressure involved in, in major labels. And I think they definitely, when it goes right and it's working, fucking hell, everybody's constantly organizing a victory lap and having a good laugh. But when it's not, everyone disappears and nobody wants to talk about it and take responsibility for it. And I think that whole thing just felt very, I don't like the lack of culpability, so it's probably the best that we're not involved in that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that, man, because that's just some insane industry stories, and you hear things like this, and it just rattles your brain, absolutely rattles your brain. But uh, you talked about the time that you headlined Wembley Arena, the final night of Sin. Obviously, you did the uh, whole DVD and live CD stuff with that as well. But there's a very interesting story surrounding that with one Mr. Simon Cowell because um, wasn't it that you booked oh. you booked it the same night that he wanted it for the X Factor final and then he kicked off about it, I, I imagine? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, the X Factor final every year uh, until that year had been at Wembley Arena. Mm. Um, yes! And Fucking yes! <laughs> Take that, and, Cowell! Uh, but yeah, and, and we, and we booked it. And, um, so I don't know, obviously, I've, I, how, how well or how commonly known this is, but like when you like get a first pencil on a venue, um, if somebody else comes into the, to the promoter or the venue staff and challenges it and goes, no, no, we want to book it and we'll pay the deposit stuff now, you can challenge it. And there's this whole fucking thing. Anyway, so we had a first pencil on it and he challenged it. Uh, and then we were like, because we were sort of umming and ahhing about whether us trying to do Wembley Arena was even the right move. Would people come? Would it be, would it do well? Would we get egg on our face sort of thing? And then like, as soon as we found out that they wanted it, we were like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it, 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 anything to kind of stick it to the man. So, uh, we booked it. Uh, then there was this, yeah, that he came out in the press and made up this thing like, who are you, me at six? Blah, blah. We're having to relocate our whole production to Manchester. No one's even going to come. So then we just sent him, um, I don't know if he ever got it, but we just sent Psycho like this unit six sold out a Wembley poster when we <laughs> sold it out. Um, and with a note being like, hope Manchester was good. And that was it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he ever, ever got it, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that was kind of it. It was, it was one of those things where like, that was not just a night for us. It really, it really felt like, because I think other than like the big arena bands, we were kind of one of the first bands from like our generation, if you like, like the MySpace generation to go and headline an arena in England. And it kind of felt like, you know, I'm not saying that we, it's not a question of opening doors, but I think it might have like, it definitely made me feel like, oh, right, this is possible. And, you know, there were bands at that time that I was like, who's going to be the next one to be? Is it going to be Anna Shikari? Is it going to be Architects? Is it going to be Bringing the Rise? Is it going to be this band, that band, whatever? And it just felt cool because it was like, even the bill was like Death and Banner and Lone Atlantis, you know, like it was like a proper celebration of all British lineup playing a fucking Wembley Arena, which again at that time was just like, that just wasn't happening. So, and to piss off Simon Cow and piss off all that sort of stuff, it was like a nice victory for guitar music, I thought, that night. So, yeah, good times basically. Class, class, yeah. <laughs> Love a wind up. Yeah. I hope at some point we get five minutes with Simon Cowell because that's the only question I want to fucking ask him. I was like, how much did it hurt when you were six fucking sold out Wembley Arena and you couldn't have it, you fucking. 
plastic <laughs> shit dead. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to open up. And uh, wait just to a per- perfect middle finger moment to like those kind of yeah. gatekeepers of, of popular music, man. But um, but yeah, like looking back at the record as well, is there any particular just moments in that kind of touring cycle or anything that you just really look back on and you think, wow, that was uh, an insane memory and one like you're really fond of? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we had the, um, a touring cycle where everything just got bigger everywhere. And it was like, like going out to, I remember when we headlined Australia on that album cycle and we were like going out and doing like two, two, three thousand people a night. And I was just like, this is mental because last time we came, there was, there was 900 people and now there's, you know, double that, triple that. And like we had a, a run where we did um, in a, in a, in the UK with like kids in glass houses, Mayday parades, and the skints, and that was like a really, really for UK. It was like a really long tour. It was like fifteen shows or something. And I remember just thinking, mate, this this just never ends. Every night it's just wild, like huge shows, loads of. It, it just it felt like everything just went up for us, which was again just really insane to get your head round and get round but it was just a great time man it was just there's no particular like standout moment other than you know just feeling like i think i saying that i think the main thing that was noticeable was like there was even it really felt like as i said earlier on like there was a real acceptance from the wider rock community it was no longer just oh you meet six that pop punk emo band they're over there it was like we rocked up and headlined the second stage of download on that cycle. Mm. And it kind of was like, you know, that shit like that, where it's like, Oh, right. Okay. Things have, have moved in a different direction where I think I even think on that, that summer, we like headline the second stage of download, but then the following weekend played V festival below, like it's sandwiched between like N dubs and fucking 
I don't even know who it was. It was me. I was like, this is just a really weird existence. <laughs> like, and we're straddling both, which was, you know, pretty mad. Um, and then, oh, sorry, tell a lie. The main thing from that, which I remember is we got asked to do, uh, the Olymp, like this uh, opening ceremony show for the Olympics and High Park. It was, it was like, again, it was like us, Dizzy Rascal and like some random people. And um, we flew home from Warp Tour early to do it. And I remember like everyone walked to being really jazzed because towards the end of the tour, like Sean would say, like everybody just wants to go home. Everyone's like, this is, I'm just so over this. Like it's amazing, but I'm tired and I wanted like sleep in the bed and shit <laughs> like that. And uh, on our last night, there's like some of our mates through us, like this massive party. And they're like, oh, let us know how you're, uh, let us know how you're digging London guys and stuff like that. And like the next day, like I sent them a picture. I, I don't think we've ever played in front of a crowd this big since. It was like, it was a free gig in Hyde Park. So it was literally like, I don't know, 200,000 people. And it was the most pop thing we've ever done because we literally played two songs. <laughs> so we went all the way <laughs> to America, literally landed, went straight to Hyde Park. And I was just like, I have no idea what to expect. And there was so many Yumi at Six fans that had rocked up because they're like, this is fucking free. This would be wicked. And it was just mad. Like the Olympic torch is burning on the side of the stage. Fucking David Beckham's giving it to Boris Johnson or some mad shit. He's put it on the side of it. I was like, this is really too much. And yeah, and then I think that was the same year that we played. That was the first time we played um, on the main stage, Reading and Leeds. I think we were third from top. And it was like below like Blink and Macklemore. And it was just like, all, there were all these little moments that happened where I was like, this is just, it's just gone. It's gone from, oh, this is cool. We're in a band. To like, whoa, we're in a band. And this is a bit hectic. So yeah, it was a, a really beautiful time. And the best thing about it is that we just got to constantly keep doing it with our mates, you know, kept on. And every tour we were doing, it seems to be loads of our mates around. So it was, it was cool. Really close. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it turned out to be such a special time and record for uh, a lot of people in the scene, man. A lot of lot of fans really have uh, fond memories uh, of this record, and I'm sure the shows at at the Slam Dunk Grounds in Leeds and Hatfield is just going to be a great way to celebrate this. Now, I do. I think that's why we like had to do it because we kind of after we did um like we so we did we did take a few the take a few colors like anniversary shows back in 2018 to kind of be like we've because we'd literally not played a single song off that record for years and years, and we were like oh. You know, we kind of owe it to people that were there or have joined the party late and have never seen this stuff. Like, we should do it. And then we were like, right, that's a lot. We're not doing this again. And then we started, like, during the pandemic, I was sort of like, I don't know, there's like a shift in focus, right? Where you start thinking about what is the band? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to the boys? But more importantly, what does it mean to the people that have kind of dragged us through this music industry for the last, sort of like 15 years and we we're kind of like i remember max saying oh we've never put this out on vinyl like i really want to like we should put the record out on vinyl it's never been done and now vinyls is you know a massive thing if anything people buy vinyls more than they consume music in any other ways other than obviously streaming so it's like we want to do that and originally we were going to do like a run of shows and then it was me one show and and it, it was going to be just like a, a brixton or something like that i think and then Ben Ray was, uh, we, were, we, were, we were talking to Ben Ray. We went to um, England's, I want to say England, Scotland or something during the Euros. And he was like, you've got to fucking do it. You, you've, you've got to do it. And you've got to let me be the promoter. And we were like, 
And we'd never done so good. Like, obviously, Ben used to manage us. We have a great history of slam dunk. And he was like, trust me, I, be- I believe we can do it. And I think people, like, you should just do one in the north, one in the south and make it a special thing that people like, you know, can say they were there sort of thing. And it just, uh, you know, when you put something in a park, it like, it just gives it that sort of like, whoa, sort of feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like it just <laughs> yeah. instantly feels a little bit more grand and a little bit more just like eventized, if you like. And honestly, boys, we went into it being like, we just want to celebrate our bands and celebrate this record because it's got a lot of fun memories for us, but we know how, how big that record was at the time for us. Um, and um, there's some women climbing over a fence staring at me through my eye. That was one of the most <laughs> mental things. I think I, so I, I, I live around the corner from a school and I, this woman has just climbed the fence and stared at me to be like, oh, there's, they've, they've knocked a ball into my garden and I think they want it which I will give them back, but I'm currently doing a podcast. I'm doing the Saturday podcast, so you find it. Um, yeah, all of you through the window is, yeah, no, it's only worth, give me the fucking ball, it's more important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, we, 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 it wasn't planned and it kind of, it was one of those things that came together really, really like, it, honestly, it's Ben Ray, he was like, this will be fucking sick, we'll put it literally the few days before the festival it will be wicked and we should do it so um shout out to ben ray because he as he always has done in this band he believed in us to do something ridiculous and it's happening and it's paid off so really excited <laughs> yeah. for it well done ben ray well done ben well done ben i'm gonna be at the hatfield show so uh, i'm looking forward to that but josh it's been great re- um kind of reliving sinners uh thank you so much for opening up so much about that and just quickly before we let you go obviously you have so much uh, going on at the moment as Too well much. as you as you mentioned you've been recording a new record you've just done collaborations with james arthur and yours truly and you're gonna be very busy yeah. over the summer uh, with festivals like 2000 trees and uh, a lot more just give us a kind of a brief of, of what else is going on uh, any secrets you can maybe want to tell us any other collaborations in the pipeline you want to expose and this, this is probably the best place to do it I, I'd say <laughs> yeah yeah I hear you I hear you um, alright well we're, we're, we're so obviously a lot of the, the festivals this year are like roll-ons from like three years ago or whatever so we, we've got a very light festival season but we we got asked to 2000 trees like last minute we were like fuck it let's do it it was amazing last night. I don't know if you boys have been to that festival but it's a, a really cool festival and so yeah we, we were like we're definitely doing that uh, we've got a bunch of stuff in Europe and yeah we, we're kind of just focusing on making the record over the summer um, if if I had any sort of like actually firm release stuff I'd definitely tell you but we don't we're still very much kind of like trying to decide if we're if we're making good music or not um, but well, how's there are two in? songs how's this sound yeah how's this sound in at the moment uh it it, to me, it's like, it's retrospective Yumi at six, but in 2022. So it's like, we kind of, we did, we did the, the whole, like, let's flex our creative muscles and sucker punch and try all these things that we've been wanting to try. And then we've almost like done a full circle and gone, right. What do we know that we all collectively love doing rather than just one or two of us potentially, like what can be the thing that we all like just love and buy into. And it, we, start listening to like our old records and we were like, we should do something like this, something like that. So we've sort of gone through our back catalogue, earmarked the songs that we all like, we love that. 
and they've been like, right, how can we do this? So it feels contemporary and feels like, also feels like no, we're just doing you meet six karaoke, but we're doing something different, but same at the same time. I know it sounds probably mental, but that's what we're doing. To me, it, it feels like a real like return to the band in terms of what people, you know, love the band for in the first place. And we've got some collaborations on this record. We had obviously no collaborations on Sucker Punch. Some of the collaborations we have on this record are utterly ridiculous. Um, and there's, there's one in particular, which I'm just like, is going to blow people's minds. Like it's actually Ooh. absurd how good it is. And I think this band and this frontman from this band, we should have, we should have done something years and years ago, but it's almost like now's the perfect we time. Did. It just, it's, we did though. <laughs> yeah, we did. What do you mean? We did. We did, we did so we many did. years ago. We did two songs oh, years ago. You as a man. I know, I know. Sure, you're letting, you're letting yeah. the cat out of the bag about... Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, sorry. Music yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Sorry. Yeah, we, oh, we, we can cut this bit out. We can cut bleep this bit it out. out I'll bleep it out. It's yeah. fine. Okay, right. Here's the question. Right. I don't want them. Are they from the rock scene? Uh, Yeah. Ooh. They put, okay, I'll get there's two two of the two of the collaborations are two bands that have basically come through with us the whole time and are still standing. Standing wow. that sounds like we we've blagged it, but no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's then, if if you like rock music, you've loved both of these bands for probably the last fifteen years. So Ooh. yeah, it's very, very interesting. Interesting. I know it is. Exciting. Yeah, I know it is. I definitely know it is. I know both of them. No. <laughs> oh well, I know I'm, both of them as well. I'm looking forward to everyone, everyone finding out. But thank you so much for taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure having you on. Um, it's been great, and yeah, looking forward to all these shows. And I guess to end. I should take my top off, shouldn't I? Because it's been very weird yes. looking at you two in your tops off. Yes. <laughs> come on, man. I've never... Oh, I, I, never mind. I, I won't come back I don't, on unless your top comes off. Uh, I, I, pressured, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen him topless. I've shared a hotel room with you him. So here we go. I've got two ones. Hang on. Hang on. One shirt. Oh, oh bro. Fucking hell, the reveal. The reveal. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, it's coming out, boys. Here we go. <laughs> Fuck. White doesn't milk. Here we White go. White Hey! Oh, oh. Yeah, it just feels right. It just feels right. <laughs> so first ever topless podcast. This is class. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. It's been great. It's thank been great you to so see you. much. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Boys, boys, I'll I'll never I'll never say no. Thank you for having me on as usual. Oh, good. Well, in that case, you're doing our live one at fucking <laughs> 2003 in the morning. Yes. No. <laughs> there you go. I filled that slot. Uh, yeah. Nice. All right, Thank lad. you very much. Oh, but, yeah. Cheers, guys. Oh, good to Cheers. see you. Thanks. Lovely. Take care. Bye. You listen to Sammy Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Josh Franceschi. That rhymes. Priority shirt. I love me some Josh Franceschi. <laughs> nice. There you are. I'm making merch up on the spot for him. So kind, Sean. So very, yes, very check kind. Check out sapplingpodcast.bigcartel.com where we <laughs> no, have that no. t-shirt. Oh, I don't know. We should... 
Could we, we do need to start Let's- we need to start doing more merch but that's a different conversation oh, for, yeah. uh, uh, anyway but no great as always to have josh on i think this is the third time overall and he always is so openly and honest with us and for that we are very much appreciated um i'm sorry for anyone i might have offended with the mental image of me being topless i'm sure that was something at the beginning of listening to this episode you were not expecting but i felt it needed to happen uh, after uh, you got to see that Sean as well and you are furious <laughs> oh sorry 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 I had a fucking eyes oh Jesus Christ I can't believe it I've never seen it. who's got four nipples I, I don't know anybody who's got four nipples Morgan. that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen actually fun fact I don't have four nipples but I do have a third ear yeah, that was that was also strange. Um, yeah, in the middle of your back, though, like one of those uh, tested yeah. rats, oh, like one oh, of them lab yeah. rats. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. You can't hear people slagging you off from behind, though. So that's 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 a good idea. Um, but yes, thank you very much again to Josh. I fucking love seeing him. I love speaking to him. I love hanging out. And yes, you like how fucking honest he was about stuff and having his only ever panic attack during this record process and. Just his honesty with how they were, how Garth was, and that wasn't me stepping as the producer's name. It's just mad to you, isn't it? And I and I love these stories. So thank you very much to Josh again for coming on. Thank you for Yumi Six for um, the music and for letting him on. <laughs> like they're, like they're all fucking going. Oh, he can't. He's not allowed to do that. Don't let him, don't let him go on. <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, Matt Barnes and Dan are just like, oh, really, Josh, you go back on there. But no, it's always a pleasure. And it's always really nice when we get to do these kind of special episodes looking back at certain albums. Uh, a couple of months ago, we did the same with James of Death of Honor, looking back at their record, Fools and Worthless Liars. So go back and listen to that. And we've also done yes. many episodes of some of the Blackouts records in the past. So if you want to get Ooh. some information on some albums Go back, listen to it, and I'm sure we'll do some more of that in the future. Well, today, as we're recording this, we're recording this outro on a Wednesday. This is the 13th anniversary of The Best in Town by The Blackout. Ooh. Which is the the best album by The Blackout, I believe. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Let us know at Sapling Pod what your, um, what your favorite Blackout album is. If anybody's... Who listens to this has ever heard the blackout? I don't know. I don't or know. Or any point. or any anniversary episodes you want us to do in the future, because we like special dates and all that kind of stuff. But you miss X gonna be very, very busy this summer. As I mentioned, on Wednesday, the first of June, they will be performing Singers Never Sleeps in full in Leeds. Then on the second, they will be performing it in Hatfield. And the 3rd of June is when the 10th anniversary edition of the record comes out with some alternative mixes, bonus tracks, acoustic numbers, and all that. Head over to Yumi at Six's website for all the details. And of course, they will be performing at 2000 Trees Festival this July from the 7th to the 9th. They'll be performing before idols on the main stage. It's going to be a huge show where they'll be playing hits from all of their back catalogue. And there's a wonderful lineup of other bands, including Jimmy Eat World, Young Guns, Thrice, Tom Jenkins, Twin Atlantic, Boston Manor, Turnstile, Nova Twins, Lauren Hibbard, Laura James Grace. It all can be found at 2000treesfestival.co.uk. And if you want to get 10% off tickets to go, use the promo code SAPNIN. That's 10% off all of your tickets. 
Josh has also done features with James Arthur, who should be on the podcast by now. Come on, James. Yeah, and, come on, man. Uh, Fuck and up, yours, James. And yours truly. Well, you. No, not You've done me. The song. Not me. The Australian pop punk band that we previously had oh. on the podcast. Michaela, we did. We had Michaela on. Yeah. Yes, we yes, we, we had did. Michaela and they were um yeah, fantastic fans. So yeah, check out um those collaborations with Josh and uh James Arthur and yours truly, not me. Uh but oh, oh check out the collaborations he did with me. Um hey. we did a song called The Consequence on the You Made Six album, and Josh and the other boys in You Made Six feature on the song Um This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things by the Blackout in brackets, I don't care. Um, which the label made us put call it I don't care because they, they didn't like the fact the song title had nothing to do with the song this bastard yeah fucking record labels eh bloody hell coming over here and <laughs> putting a record out for thousands of people to hear it and stream it and download it and then ultimately pay us pittance back yeah no yeah anyway 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 thank you again to Josh for coming on it's, this was a very very good podcast we had laughs um, we had some very, very serious moments. And most of all, I will never forget this podcast for being the first ever topless sapning. We may put some pictures online. We may not put some pictures online. <laughs> but I can guarantee you, by the end of it, all three of us were nips out, as the nips, kids say. Nips were out. That's, um, that's something I never thought I would say on this podcast. But make sure you are following us at Sapnin Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to see what <laughs> is going to be getting up to this summer because oh. it's very, very busy. Next week, we will be covering Slam Dunk Festival in Leeds and Hatfield. We're going to be at Download doing a live podcast and covering it as well. And we're going to be doing stuff with 2000 Trees, as you can imagine, more to do with that soon. There might be an announcement. That's all I can say. Um, and if you visit our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin, not only is there bonus podcast, there's stuff from behind the scenes, there's a wonderful community of people, but we're going to be doing meetups at all of these events. So if you want to get involved with it, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Yes. Also, uh, I'm DJing at the VIP bar at the Warrington show for My Chemical Romance. And then after the Cardiff My Chemical Romance show, I will be DJing at Team Up, which is at what used to be called Kong's 2, which is uh, obviously the second one to Kong's 1. Kong's 1 <laughs> is on St. Mary Street. Kong's 2 is round the corner, uh, like a secret doorway. So, yes, follow Team Up on Instagram. Uh, find out what's going on. Team Up Cardiff on Instagram and find out what's going on and where I'll be DJing. Um, is there anything else I've got coming up other than Yes, that? You, you are DJing the after parties for the Slam Dunk Festival. Thank you very much, ma'am. And <laughs> me and you will also be DJing at the Doghouse um, at Download, I believe. So um, Yes, we are. Ex- expect me um, choosing songs and then Morgan getting in the way to play the Mean Girls theme and then me slapping him <laughs> live in the face. So definitely come along and watch us do these things because um, they definitely could go either. They could be absolutely brilliant or they could be a complete disaster that leads to the end of this podcast. Either way, it could be interesting to watch. And... They might be good for TikToks you gotta start recording. (laughs) (laughs) But enough about that. Before we go, we need to say a massive thank you to our Patreon community for making this podcast happen each and every week. Without them, it wouldn't be a thing. So if you enjoyed the podcast, 
patreon.com forward slash sapmin please sign up we would we were begging you it's just great we need the support it helps us a lot um if you go to the description of this episode there's loads of names there that we do thank but of course as always sean is going to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members of our sapmin podcast patreon community yes thank you very much kylie wheeler Mayumi Mahusiv Leeway, Janelle Caston, Paul DJ Sexy Sexy Sean wouldn't make a great farmer because he always drops sick beats. Hirschfield, oh for fuck's sake. Do we have to do that? Uh, thank you very much. Mitch Berry, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Young, Kelly Ewing, Nathan Croshaw, Natasha Morris, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besson, Dana Lazenova, Jerry Robson, Murray Grimwood, Skrillex, Sean X, you mean? Bangarang, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Amy Dawson, Kieran Olmi, Amy Louise, who I saw at the front of the um, My Chemical Romance gig, Loving Life. Thank you very much. Alexandra Pemblinton, Stuart, finally saw My Chemical Romance again, and I can't stop smiling, McNaught. Same, brother. Same. I couldn't believe it. Tom Owen, Caroline Robinson, Chris Hour, Joe Ackland, M.M.'s Roberts, Jacob Edrington, Kate Puttock, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Craig Harris, Jenny Munster... Kelly Cannon, Jason Aredia, Emily Perry, John and Emma, Adam King of the Goths Parslow. You went to see Adam King of the Goths Parslow's band, didn't you, the other night? I did. I went to see the Nightmares in Southampton. They were supporting Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties, which are a very good band as well. I would encourage everyone to go and check out the Nightmares. Very good band. Adam Parslow is a Patreon. See, so it's worth becoming part of a Patreon just to get your fucking band a shout out, really. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway... Thank you very much. Khalil Akeen, Ollie Sid Wilson of Slipknot, more like Slipknot as good as DJ as Sean Smith Amesbury. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> nice one, Ollie. You are goddamn right. Josh, what do you call a Disney film starring DJ Sean Smith? Booty and the Beats Crisp. Because <laughs> 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 surname, obviously. Like yeah. yeah, they've gone mad. Thank you very much. Alice Wood, Reese Bowling, Kate Stevenson, Amadine Urbano, Daniel Stevenson, Kyle Brazilian ass David Smith. That's a reference to last week's Blink-182 special. And last by no means least, Connor Lewins and family. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to everybody who's mentioned in the description of this episode. Wherever you listen to the podcast, check that out. Um, we love you all very much. Patreon.com forward slash happening. See you soon. Yes, love you very, very much. Tune in next week, every Friday. Special guests, good laughs. Another topless one? Probably not, but come back and find out. Wait, who is next week's guest? <laughs> it's not topless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah. I mean, it's like... I wonder if we'll ever do another topless one again now. Like, I, we have to do a naked one next. Or, or European naked, which is bottomless. Just bottomless. <laughs> Like, we couldn't uh, tell anyway, because when we do this... I thought we are doing yeah. that now. I thought we are doing that right now. Yeah. I, I am. You can't I, see this. And I am. And I am. Listen to this noise. My, hand, my hand's in the air. Listen to this now. Oh, what was that hitting the table? I guess we'll never know. Anyway, Sapnin! <laughs> Sapnin! <laughs> Fuck it, I've lost my mind. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.